Welcome to Break a Wish, the podcast where all your dreams come true, but with terrible, ironic consequences. I'm your host, Maddox Campbell. Uh, joining me this time, we have Kirk McCullough. Hey there. And Kelly Zemnikis. Hello. And the movie we're discussing today is Ted, the 2012 Seth MacFarlane film about a magical teddy bear that comes to life. What is your guys' experience with this film? Had you seen it before? Was this your first time through? This was the second time I've seen it. Um, I love this movie. And when you when you put the posting uh, out about on Facebook about who's seen it, I felt like I was like, I think I was the only female who said she liked it. <laughs> I love it. I think so most of the responses was like, well, there's one good scene, but uh, I don't really remember the rest of it. <laughs> no, I, I I'm such a fan of Ted. Um, yeah. <laughs> okay. I liked it a lot. What about you, Kirk? Uh, I am a opposite of Kelly on this one. Um, I'd say maybe I'm a lapsed Ted fan. When I saw this in 2012, I do remember loving it. And when I saw that you wanted people to chat about Ted, I'm like, oh, great. I I love that movie. I'm going to have a rewatch of it. Uh, I definitely think it's one of those movies that 10 years later does not hold up as well (laughs) as it did 10 years ago for a bunch of reasons. Yes. Uh, Yeah, I think... (laughs) I think my th- I'm similar in that when I saw it, I remember being like vaguely positive about it, but thinking back, remembering like only one or two moments even like stuck in my memory over all this time. And then yeah. watching, I'm like, what did I like here? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, sorry, Kai, like, you well, will be the so one fighting for moments. But that, that's that's fine. We, we want to hear the positive and we appreciate that even bad movies have good things in them. So yeah. even if we don't come to agree that it's a good movie. I, I hope uh, you still get your voice out and still voice the things you do like about it. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm, okay. I'm going to, yeah, this will, this should be the quickest recap. I think I ever have of a plot because the plot is not <laughs> thick or complicated, but here's the plot. Uh, our main character is John, a young boy who uh, doesn't have any friends and is very lonely. So on Christmas, he wishes that his teddy bear would come to life so they could be best friends forever. And his teddy bear does and uh then we cut to basically many many years later when he's a 35 year old adult and his teddy bear is still alive and a stoner loser who hangs out his house and just drags him down in life uh but he's trying to hold on to his girlfriend who wants him to grow up a little bit he repeatedly fails to do that uh him blaming ted because he wants to hang out with ted uh so their relationship falls apart this also brings uh, a schism between ted and john but eventually everything works out after a high stakes kidnapping incident with ted ted brings them all back together um and the end yay <laughs> i think that's all the that's plot a pretty that's accurate right. recap i think that's pretty yeah. much it yeah. cool great podcast okay well, that's everything you need to know if you didn't watch this film if you didn't watch the film and you don't know what we're talking about that's all the plot parts that happen everything else is just gonna be like moments in the film because it's it is a vehicle for uh, and this is very much seth mcfarland's style of comedy right he has a bare bones plot that is a vehicle for either cutaway gags or uh little sort of ranty gags where people just sort of banter off each other Mm -hmm. that is why family guy is known for being mostly cutaways like 50 percent cutaway uh and that's the same style of comedy here where yeah, there's a setup for the scene, but then the the meat of the scene is just whatever banter or cutaway joke they're doing. 
Yeah, except it goes on for an hour and 45 minutes this time instead, <laughs> yeah. of, like, instead of a 22 minutes. Easy minute. to digest 22 <laughs> minutes yeah. of Family Guy, which which also, I mean, you know, like I was, I, I think everyone back in the mid 2000s, mid aughts, whatever you call them, the 10s, mm-hmm. um, everyone started off as a big Family Guy fan. Uh, and it was not like things we had seen before in terms of the shock humor, yeah. uh, in terms of just like how completely off the wall it was. But I was found in those 22 minutes, there was a some kind of plot or character reckoning that just kind of neatly tied it up. And B, even though Peter Griffin is just a horrible person, that's kind of the joke. So he can kind of get away with a little bit more of that horrible stuff than mm-hmm. you could from maybe two characters, three characters that you're supposed to care about over the course of an hour and 45 minutes. I cared about them. <laughs> you cared about you cared about the characters in Family Guy or in this? I I cared well in Ted. I did um, okay, but I totally agree. Like there there's something about Seth MacFarlane's style that, as much as I'm a fan, it kind of is a bit like a purse dumping. You know, like you just take everything mm-hmm. in your purse. You know, like oh, there's there's gum, there's a candy bar, there's my book. Um, there are all these things, but it it's a bit of a it's a bit of a a, a mess. Um, but yeah, it still it still makes me laugh a lot. So maybe there's something wrong with me. I'm not sure. No, he he does he knows how to present a joke. That's for sure. Because yeah. it uh, like what made Family Guy kind of start to dictate how comedy was being done at the time was yeah, it was so fast paced. It had a very high laughs per minute. So while you watch it, you really do laugh a lot. You get a lot of immediate laughter. It's mm-hmm. sort of like when you try to like. And dare you say, comedy nerds will try to do that. Try to break it down and go like, so what was funny about that? That's where you start to go like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> no, exactly. I mean, there's a great deal in in watching Ted a second time around. Um, and especially all these years later that I, there was a lot of moments of, um, oh dear. Oh, oh dear. Yeah. You know? <laughs> it was like, oh. Um, yeah. Okay, so what? What? Let's let's each pick a joke that did work for us then, because again, it's it's going to be focused more on the jokes because that's what it is. Yeah, uh, I'll, I'll kick it off. The one joke that I did still think was kind of funny right off the bat was at the start when uh, they're trying to talk about how he's the loser who has no friends. They start mm-hmm. with like the all the neighborhood could kids are beating someone up, and then he goes, "Can I play too?" And they're all like, "No," including the kid who's getting beat up. He just looks at him with such vitriol, like, "Not even you can beat me up. Get out of here." That that's funny. That's just a good joke. Who was the kid they were beating up, though, Maddox? It was some Jewish kid, which I think was a joke about how Boston is terrible. Yeah, I think that. That, I'm gonna like half defend some of the jokes in this because I feel like the way he does it, knowing him from some of his other humor as well, is the joke is often it's about how terrible someone is. But yeah. then, so it's them making a terrible joke and us making fun of them for being terrible. But it's also very easy for a terrible person to watch that and just be like, exactly. Which yes. is why it's a dangerous type of humor. Yeah. yeah. I had a, because um, I'm a, a teacher in my in my daily life and I fully had to explain to a grade six kid, one of the old family guy jokes, uh, you know, which one was it? Uh, yeah, someone just called, how is your refrigerator running? Very homosexually uh, was the joke. Something along those lines. I'm butchering it. But the kid just thought it was funny because he could say very homosexually. Huh? I'm like, and I have to tell him, it's like, you realize the reason that joke is being made is because Peter is just awful and he gets his butt kicked after that joke is told. Like, it's not funny just because 
mm-hmm. it says very homosexually, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, but at the same point in time, when I saw that joke, I laughed because in that context, it's like, yeah, I get it. It's Peter. He's horrible. Peter's going to get his one uppance from this. It makes sense. I find that's where that's where Ted lost me a bit in some of his mm-hmm. jokes, and it did have lots of funny stuff. Mm-hmm. Just that the the comeuppance wasn't necessarily there, right? Like we we can yeah. say Boston is horrible. So they're making a Boston joke. That's great. But at the end, we're supposed to root for the Boston couple. I'm just like, eh, I don't know. Right. Mm. A lot of it is supposed to be about how immature Ted and uh, John. Mark Wahlberg's characters yeah. are. Yeah. But they're mm-hmm. still supposed to be sympathetic characters. Yes. Which is tricky because they are pretty bad. <laughs> <laughs> but if you're looking for a joke that worked for me, yes. I will still, uh, I-, I could watch that fight scene in the hotel oh. over and over again. Okay. Yeah. Just ridiculously Just watching- good, well staged. The physics of it, like yeah. you know, the, mm-hmm. like this is how a bear would fight um, <laughs> a, a jacked Mark Wahlberg, um, and then forget how to fight a not jacked Giovanni Ribisi later right. in the movie. <laughs> And his son, who she he should also be able to just completely kick the ass of. But uh, yeah, the, the hotel fight scene was amazing. The hotel fight. I want to know how they shot that hotel fight scene. I would love to see like the behind the scenes mm-hmm. of that. Yeah. yeah, that's what I wanted to see. Like I, I was laughing because I was imagining Ted not being there as CG. Like yeah. they're just yeah. being a tennis ball that they're throwing at Mark Wahlberg. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Just, I'm, Oh. He's doing a Leslie Nielsen naked gun, yeah. just fighting yeah. himself. <laughs> just fighting himself, basically, type thing, yeah. Oh, my gosh. For me, there was, like, off the top, the one thing that just made me laugh was when they were trying to figure out if, if John should propose to Mila Kunis' character of Laurie, and, and Ted's rhyming off these reasons of, like, well, the economy, you know, Haiti. <laughs> I love right. that stupid stuff like that. And then... Um, what gets me still is the thunder song. Yes. Okay. Oh thunder song is pretty cute. Yeah. So funny. And that's that's kind of in the story too, because it is very much a childish thing, but it's also yeah. like it shows how they're still childish because they're singing yeah. a little Thunder Bunny song <laughs> at thirty-five. Uh, yeah, there were there were a lot of lines that I wrote down that I really really loved. Just one other I'll just mention is later on in the film where. Ted's with uh, Giovanni's character in the parking lot, and he says, you're never alone when you're with Christ. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, so funny. Uh, (laughs) All right. We are a show about magic wishes, so let's talk about the magic wish in this film a little bit. Um, it, it, It is the mechanism of the wish is a generic Christmas wish. Mm-hmm. There's not like a shooting shooting star or a ancient artifact or anything that gives him magic. It's just a wish that was made on Christmas by a very wanting boy. Mm-hmm. He says, I wish you could really talk to me so we could be best friends forever. And yeah, that works out. I, I guess I'm wondering, why do you guys think this wish works other than the presumably thousands to millions of other wishes that are happening on Christmas that day? Or are we just supposed to like, eh, whatever. <laughs> I I had to suspend, just, you know, do the, the, the classic suspension of disbelief of like, this kid just wants a friend so bad um, that that this bear comes to life. And, and like, Ted really is like, like for me growing up, seeing, you know, the, the toys that did talk to you, which is like every kid's wish for like their toys to actually talk to them. And and I had a doll that was named uh, Cricket, um, and that was a talking doll. That was around the time of Teddy Rup- Teddy Rupskin. 
um, which comes back to be a, quite an insult. Actually, to yeah, the that, film. that actually is one of the, the jokes. That, scene, yeah, yeah, that, yeah. that is a joke that works for me. I wish I'd gotten a Teddy Ruxpin is the thing that sets him over to start a fight. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but like for me, just like being a kid growing up in the 80s and having those dolls that actually talk back to you. I don't know. I, I guess for me, I could just sort of put that on the shelf a bit and be like, yeah, I can I can see this happening. This seems this seems legitimate. <laughs> Yeah, it's just, it's just the amount of desperation is, is what yeah. made this wish work, you think? Okay. I think so. I mean, maybe all across the rest of the world, there's families being lifted out of poverty and parents being reunited and all sorts of like huge positive things happening. And this kid just got a talking teddy bear. I yeah. don't know. Oh, <laughs> yeah. So maybe lots of wishes are being granted, but they just don't look as magical because other people ask for more practical things than... Well, yeah. Yeah. I wish I wish Daddy would move back in. You know, it's like, oh, Daddy and Mommy are back together. I don't know. <laughs> I think that's I think that's a great point, Kirk. There could be lots of magic wishes in this universe. It just most people aren't dumb enough to ask for something quite this useless. Honestly, most people aren't Mark Wahlberg's character most, in this. Movie. Most people yeah. aren't. <laughs> yeah, it's it's kind of true to like his character, really, of just like where he's putting his energy of like, of course, this kid would wish for a bear to be his best yeah. friend. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it does make uh, kids do wish for stuff like that. That's not like an unrealistic wish for a kid to have. But it also as as someone who looks at magic wishes and their consequences a lot uh, through this mm -hmm. podcast, um, a deeply irresponsible wish to create life that you are then responsible for <laughs> as an eight year old. Um, and then confusing rules to it, right? Because mm -hmm. um, very early on in like the montage of them growing up, we see that Ted can consume drugs and it's unclear yeah. whether he consumes food uh, and seems to enjoy some form of sex. Um, yeah. So what? how alive is he? Like, it's very confusing. I feel like I wish this movie explored more of the potential implications of the crazy thing of taking something inanimate that shouldn't be alive and making it somehow alive. But that's a very different yeah. movie. <laughs> I want yeah, a very yeah, different yeah. movie of this same concept of like using magic to make something alive and trying to figure out what that actually means. Because yeah. everyone's pretty okay with lot. it pretty fast. Yeah. Everyone <laughs> yeah. is. Yeah. It, it kind of reminds me of, um, of that show I used to watch back in the, the day, Alf. Um, mm. But like with that show, just as a quick sidebar, they had to sort of hide and, and figure things out. And, and I don't feel like the whole show was as the strangers were as welcoming to this creature, whereas this is like no one bats an eye at it. it well, so it's established that he's a he was he was a celebrity when yes. it first happened yeah. and everyone's just sort of burnt out on it. Like, oh, yeah, there's that one talking teddy bear that exists. And I think, like, if we're just going off of the Seth MacFarlane style, like, there is so much in this movie that is just such Seth MacFarlane stuff. Like, even down to some of the music, I thought I was watching an episode of Family Guy. Right. Yeah. Um, like, totally, totally his thing. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, I, I appreciate that we're looking for for depth in it. But I think in every one of his projects, that's just one of those things. Like, we're going to have a random talking animal. Here it mm -hmm. is. There is one There is one exception in his uh, backlog. Is a show that I'm a huge fan of but is a confusing show for its existence, which is the Orville. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Have either of you watched that before? I have, I have seen some Orville and you know what? Like I appreciate it from uh, like just a basic Star Trek um, homage. Almost, That's you know? the thing of it. Like they sell it. Like he clearly sold it to the studios. I was like, I'm going to do a parody of Star Trek. Yeah. But very quickly you realize like he barely puts comedy in it at all. He just wanted to do a Star Trek show and, 
since he was known for comedy, mm-hmm. that's how he was going to be able to get away with getting the money to do it. And it's not that funny, but it's a really good Star Trek show. <laughs> mm. <laughs> yeah, I haven't seen it, but I've heard of it. Yeah, so it, it actually has like surprising depth. He goes, he looks through concepts that in his other works, like Family Guy or Ted, mm-hmm. he would just sort of like gloss over so that he could do a bunch of uh, quick jokes. So it's, it's kind of weird that he has that potential. And then, so it's clearly a choice that when he does which style. Yeah. Uh, is there anything else that stood out for you guys a lot about this film? For me, there's, there as, as I said off the top, like there, there were so many like just side, little side comments that, oh my Lord, so cringy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I was, I was laughing as I was like, oh God, like, you know, the, the, the I still, you know, doing stand up, I still hear a lot of comics do do stuff on nine eleven, and it just makes me like, oh god. But yeah. um, but comments like that, I mean, going into that party scene with the neighbor next door, and just like stereotypes that go go. Yeah, what's yeah. well, what when you're talking about the science, not science of this magic, that doesn't make sense as a concept. But you know what I'm talking about, Maddox. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, the last time I did this podcast, we did. Freaky Friday, which I think is almost like the yin yang inverse of this movie um, in that like the plot itself is just very kind of straightforward for a magical thing, but it hinges on an act of magical racism. Mm -hmm. Uh, It did. There was magical racism there. There was totally magical racism (laughs) in Freaky Friday. Um, Whereas this movie just tends to hinge on uh, uh, various racism, sexism, homophobia throughout the whole thing. Mm -hmm. But the magical act is just like super pure and innocent. Yeah, the the magic itself is is not problematic, just unexpected. Yeah, that's. I was very surprised they didn't go someplace with that. Like, I think that was that moment. It's like, wow, we have to make this actually special. I don't know. I might maybe I would have appreciated it more if it was even if the wish was problematic. I think that was my my thing with this movie. Looking back on it, mm. it's it's trying to do two different things at once, um, and when it hits, it hits. But I just I never bought into I never bought into Lori. Um, as a as a character that would be with uh, John for four years, uh, and, and you know, like we talk, you know, we we have the benefit of things like a Bechdel test these days um, for like you know, it's like does this character do anything in the movie other than just talk about her boyfriend? Does she talk to any other females in this movie? Mm-hmm. Um, does she talk to one of the two carbon copy blondes that seem to exist at each of their offices? Where I literally had to look and see if Laura Vandervoort was playing two different roles because I thought it was the same actress for a couple minutes. Um, and, and and she's just she is such a not fleshed out character um, throughout all of it. So and there's this one line where it just it gets me where she finally where Ted finally kind of gets out of the way and they have their moment to move forward. And I was with Lori to a point. I'm like, okay, maybe she's just with this like schlubby guy. Maybe there's something in it that you know she just enjoys. Um, and they weren't playing her like the gu- the girlfriend who was just trying to break up the Thunder Buddies, which I appreciated. <laughs> but then she just throws out this line. And I'm like, this was written by a guy, obviously. Um, but it's like, oh, you know, I can't believe you made such a major change in your life, you know, just to make your girlfriend happy. And she says it so earnestly and lovingly. It's like, oh, my God, like, that's not at all what you were arguing for the whole rest of the movie. And now you've just totally, like, yeah. t- just turned yourself on your head here, you know? Mm. Right. I think Mila Kunis did a pretty good job of trying to make that character Mm -hmm. read as realistic. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But yeah, yeah, like she's there as the plot thing of just like something to get in the way. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I I, I did love the Flash Gordon scene, though. If we're going to do a scene that's going to break up the relationship, 
let's let's have, have, have it be a, a, a coke fueled party with flash gordon yeah <laughs> oh my god until the neighbor with the duck comes in like yeah like that, then at that point you're like okay this is a weird ending to that um, it is yeah, i feel that whole thing hmm, so good that might be racism by proxy because like the original character of emperor ming is hella racist oh yeah <laughs> so presenting racism to be what sets off flash gordon is maybe maybe how they justified it to themselves mm. uh yeah but no it's not good it's not good at yeah, all no. <laughs> yeah i was i was just adoring that scene for it's just it's absurdity and like the girlfriend side of me was you know panicking of like how is how are they I forgot for a second for like how they got back together or, or how they connected after that party. But, um, but yeah, that when, when the neighbor and the duck came in, I was, it, I just, I took myself out of that scene. I, um, mm. yeah, it was just, I was yelling at the TV. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or uh, what's his name? Uh, Patrick Warburton and Ryan Reynolds. That's another one where I think it's like a similar thing where they, they try and have this whole gay fight club thing mm -hmm. at the start of the movie, which, you know, it's like, okay, this is a weird one-off joke, yeah. but if I'm going to see a gay fight club, you know, and I'm saying this as a gay man, I want to see a gay fight club. Like I want you to actually like delve into that joke. I want to see something, even if it's at the risk of just being totally offensive, yeah. throw it in there, go down. Right. Um, but instead, it's just kind of this like thing at this go down. That's a weird way to say that. <laughs> um, you know what I'm saying? You, you know where I'm going with it. Um, yeah, but but you know, instead you have this moment where you know it's like this kind of throwaway thing at the the car car rental place, mm -hmm. and then later in the movie, Ryan Reynolds shows up, and it's like, oh, cool, that's Ryan Reynolds. He's yeah. he's gay with Patrick Warburton. Okay, and then at the end, those two have like the sweet moment uh, at the at the wedding, and you're just like, I don't know how to interpret this joke like where was this joke going how did this joke work um you know and why is it still here in front of me right so there, there were moments like that where sometimes they went too far in like with the the asian neighbor and yeah. other times where it's like they started to go in yeah. and then they peeled back for whatever reason or it's like i don't i think this movie would have been great if it was like 85 minutes they I think just stretched it too long. Yeah, yeah I think if, if you pare it down and you make it like a tight mm -hmm. um, episode where there's just like a lot of stuff going on and you don't have a lot of time to recover. Like a two-parter episode of a TV show. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. There were there were a lot of beats in the film that, you know, like the lighting improviser side of me would, you know, you're kind of making mental notes of like this ends here. Like the... <laughs> this is know, the scene end, yeah. Yeah, this seemed to this can just chop down. You can just chop down. Um, I I would be curious to know how many how many drafts of the script they went through to get to where it was. I'm always curious oh, about you know about that. I'm I'm almost certain a lot of this script is improvised on the day, right? Like mm. Seth MacFarlane doing like little rant offs. Like there's so many moments that you yeah. can kind of tell that they're like, and this part will riff for a bit. And then we'll just get two cameras and riff and then we'll, we'll keep what we like in the end. Yeah. Cause it's like very cut heavy. Mm -hmm. It doesn't inform the next thing that happens. So like, I'm sure the, I'm sure the actual script is probably as long as we wanted the movie to be. And then they just kept on padding <laughs> it out with improv they did during recording. Cause they just left the probably. time in to be like, yeah, we'll make it 90 with this, you know, like we'll fill out the rest. Yeah. <laughs> and we were at like peak Seth MacFarlane power. So no one was able to kind oh. of say, no, this is going on too long. Right. Exactly. <laughs>
This episode of Spooked is brought to you by BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Spooked, S-P-O-O-K-E-D, to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Spooked. Yes. Love is in the air. That's Valentine's Day is coming up. Valentine's Day coming up, and it's okay if you don't have a sweetheart this year. Mm -hmm. Have no fear. I know that that weighs on a lot of people, whether they have a Valentine, don't have a Valentine. You know, and the stresses of planning Valentine's Day is a lot. It can be a lot for you, and you might need someone to talk to during this time. Self-love is important, and what better way to do that than with our friends at BetterHelp? Exactly. I know that for myself, Mm -hmm. I get a lot of uh, stress while... Uh, doing planning and do, mm-hmm. and putting things together that really uh, stresses me out. It um, gives me anxiety. It uh, it makes me kind of just fold up and want to just stay in bed. But it doesn't have to be that way. No, it doesn't. So the people at BetterHelp have people to talk to you about this and talk to me. Yeah. And if you're thinking about starting therapy, BetterHelp's a great way to do that. It's entirely online. So even if you are stuck in bed, what great way to start it where you don't have to leave the first few sessions. Exactly, yeah. Just open up your Open uh, it up laptop. and get it started right there. Yeah, in bed. Perfect. You can still wear your jammies, just as I like it. BetterHelp is designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule, whatever that schedule may be. Just fill out their brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. And, hey, if they don't work out for some reason, you can switch your therapist at any time for no additional charge. Yeah, you're not stuck to a therapist, you know? And and it's all uh, online and everything, so you don't have to have that awkward thing of, like, in person, and then they're just wondering whether you're, they're going to see you again in person, and it's more of a connection. No! Do online. Do BetterHelp. That's right. So don't forget, go to BetterHelp.com slash Spooked to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Spooked. Today. There is, yeah, there is a second magic wish in this too. So uh, as we mentioned, there is a, a moment where Ted is kidnapped. By yeah. an adoring fan uh, of a somewhat creepy family. Uh, a little, little bit creepy <laughs> family. Giovanni yeah. Ribisi's got the moves, man. I got to say. That, that, you that's like that dance move? I, I enjoyed the dance moves. You know what? Like I said, like, if you're going to do something <laughs> like this, just go all out. And him in front of the TV grooving, I was just, uh, I was dead for that scene. Because he just was owning it so well, you know? It. It was clearly invoking some Buffalo Bill style stuff, like some Silence of the Lambs mm. vibe, but then also just yeah. being him watching MTV in his living room. Like it's, he's not actually doing anything creepy than his dance. <laughs> yeah. But somehow it's real creepy. It's so creepy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the lighting and the mustache. It's yeah. a combination of that. <laughs> Those two things. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, uh, as a result of that, Ted does get chopped into ripped apart mm-hmm. so i guess there is a way to kill magic this sort yeah. of answers one of those classic things about in toy story the toys come to life mm-hmm. and we always go but like they're not actually alive so if they get like chopped in two do both parts stay alive i guess for ted no if he gets ripped open he does actually die but when his ear came off it just hurt and he could staple it back on so it's okay what 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 hurts him how do you kill that bear i don't know where the lines are yeah. If I yeah, if I get attacked 
buy a mm-hmm. teddy bear. What do I have to do to kill it? What are my edge cases, folks? Give me strategies. Know, it's almost like we need like one of those like uh, descriptions that when they're doing football games, like this play goes here and this play goes here. It's <laughs> it's so confusing. Yeah. So we, yeah, we don't know uh, what keeps him alive or keep, uh, keeps him dead, but he does. Mm-hmm. If he loses enough stuffing and gets spread out over an entire baseball field, he does die. Uh, and he gets brought back to life with a wish on a shooting star. So again, there's another way you can get magic wishes granted in this universe that uh, seems to happen. Lori is able to do it. I think we're just learning that Boston is a magical place, guys. So you think it's Boston? (laughs) I think it's Boston. So in Boston, all people's wishes come true. And that's why Boston is kind of a mess because everyone has conflicting wishes and the place is just falling apart. Because it's not responsible to have one place where everyone's wishes come true. Exactly. That's why it's so loud. It's yeah. so abrasive. Everyone's just yeah. like They're doing all their thing yeah. all at the yeah. same time. <laughs> Everyone's willing to get oh. in drunken street fights because they know they can just wish away any injuries. <laughs> <laughs> when realistically, it's just brain trauma that stays in <laughs> They have not been wished away. They think it's magic. Ted is a hallucination. That's what this is. That That's yeah. where this wish is going. The kids this actually entire... did get beat up by all the neighborhood kids at one point in time, became really popular enough to beat up for one day, got a concussion, hallucinated a bear for the rest of his life. And everyone else is just appeasing him by saying that the bear is there. I love the idea that he would have to like, I really worked at it. I buckled down and I got popular enough to be beaten up by my friend. (laughs) But see, that's a joke that works in this movie. It really is. It is a working joke. It is a funny idea. That is is something where you could just throw that in there and it, it, goes right like i would i would like to see this movie um god like not remade exactly because like you know we, we we have enough remakes and is anyone really looking for a ted remake no um you know nine years after the fact probably not but but i would like to see something like this where it, it's redone you know similar sort of thing like let's have a crude main character let's do that but let's also do it with like some sort of like 2020s pacing or plotting because I think that's the thing that got me on the rewatch, right? Like, it, it's just, there's some, it's like watching a Transformers cartoon 30 or 40 years after mm. you watched it when you were a kid. When you were a kid, that was the greatest thing ever. And now you're like, wow, this plot sucks. None of these characters make sense. Like, you know, you just, you 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 were in it for the lasers and the guns, right? This was a very lasers and guns 2012 right. comedy. Mm-hmm. Um, and now it's just like, oh, okay. Well, I mean, you know, we've seen Seth MacFarlane shoot this load so many times where over it you know or i was yeah this this is the danger of trying to make edgy comedy this isn't 20 30 years ago this is eight nine years ago this is not that old a film and yet yeah because he's trying to push the edges and trying to go for shock value jokes a lot of them are aging so fast oh so Mm -hmm. fast so fast but tom scarrett tom scarrett not aging that badly (laughs) (laughs) i i had i had to look him up i didn't i didn't you had to look tom scarrett up and really? I still, I actually forget where is he even from? Where's Tom? Sk- he, I guess Top he's in Gun? Top Gun because they make a reference he, to him. He was yeah. one of the guys in Top Gun. That was, that was a, that was an early crush for me, Tom Scarrett. Oh, I'm <laughs> sorry. I don't have the same crushes as both of you. Okay. I, don't, I never said there. I had a crush on Tom Scarrett. I'm, I mean, I'm not going that far. <laughs> I but, did. You know, I was in, in, his, in Aliens. His he was in Contact. He was on a okay. TV show. He was on, um, was it Picket Fences? Oh, I think so. I think. I think so. Um, I yeah. haven't seen Picket Fences. 
Or what? No, no, no. I'm just looking on IMDb right now. Uh, Brothers and Sisters. Is that the one you're thinking of? There's that one. Um, I, I'm fairly certain he was on Picket Fences. Um, okay. But... Oh, no, you're right. He was on Picket Fences. Yay! 88, 88 episodes of Tom Skerritt on Picket Fences. Thank you. This is still a strange pull for a celebrity that you would assume <laughs> that everyone would know, right? Like, this is not a huge celebrity that everybody knows. But that also makes the joke work because it's yeah. like, well, you know, this one time I met Tom Skerritt and you're like, oh yeah, I think I know who Tom Skerritt is. Yeah. yeah. I, I. But they kind of do that twice. They also have Sam Jones as Flash Gordon, which we all know the character of Flash Gordon, but like he didn't yeah. do anything else. <laughs> so we don't know Flash Gordon well. So that was already kind of a weird celebrity like Maddox, fascination. He saved every one of us. Yes, he did okay. save every one of us. Ah. Ah. He has a great theme song. No doubt about that. <laughs> the movie is wild and great and honestly great to watch, like in some way inebriated or non-sober. So I can understand why they would be such big fans of it. We're trying to we're, they they try to claim that it's like, oh, they love it so much because they watched it as kids. No, no. Those kids were clearly on something. If you love watch Flash Gordon and deeply enjoy it. The movie is very strange. Well, yeah. oh, for sure. Yeah, no, definitely. As as someone who uh, spent the bulk of the eighties watching Tron, um, I can still hold that. I can still hold that of like I loved it as a kid, so I love it now still. <laughs> How many times did you watch Tron to spend the bulk of the eighties watching? <laughs> a lot, a lot. I love Tron so much. <laughs> Come home, pop Tron in the BC BHS. <laughs> oh boy, yeah, that's a lot I of Tron am... or Betamax, depending on what was in your house. <laughs> oh, we had both. We had both. Um, oh, oh but watching yeah. Tron on Betamax is such a thing. Oh my god. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I will just stand oh, up for me loving it as a kid. It's still <laughs> okay. I'll, I'll Maybe they weren't originally high when watching it, but I think it stays powerful to them. As a cultural touchstone because they love getting high. All right. So here, and I hear, I think this is my end promise, why I didn't necessarily take away a good feeling from this film. And I want to see if you guys can agree with me. Do you think these characters deserve the particular happy ending they get? Do you think the characters all show enough growth or change um, to deserve what is a very neat wrap up ending? They're back together. They're back being friends. No one is actually hurt or in any way even scarred from this ordeal. Did the characters <laughs> go through enough of a journey to deserve that? No, they they, they didn't. Um, as much as I like the film, it was it was just enough. Like there was just a smidge of growth with John. Um, the the Ted the Ted character you know, back, back at the house, like, oh, I'll just forgive you for everything. Um, there was kind of a, there was kind of like this, like a 50 sitcom mentality of like, oh, everything's okay now. Um, I mean, I still enjoyed it, but when you pose the question, no, they didn't. <laughs> no, yeah. absolutely not. It, it, it's I mean, a hard, hard no. <laughs> yeah. No, they didn't. Yeah. And yeah, you're very much right. It's a sit. It's a sitcom. Every ending, everything goes yeah. back to normal, right? We're all back living in the same house again, and we're friends again. Yeah, like, no, like, like to me, uh, the the logical wish that the Laurie character would have would have made, you know, would have been a, a much bigger one than than the the teddy bear, um, you know, uh, storyline coming back. But yeah, it was kind of just uh, 
uh, I don't know, like a, this will do. You know, I don't know <laughs> when Seth was writing yeah. it. He's like, "Yeah, this is good enough. This will make the ladies happy." Um, or whatever. <laughs> I don't know. Which, if you say yourself saying that sentence, you should take another pass <laughs> at that script. That will make them happy. Oh, I'm, I'm going to assume that every woman wants to wish back into existence the thing that destroyed their relationship in the first place. Is that? <laughs> oh, I. Is that I, what women want? Am I Mel Gibsoning this thing here? I don't know. Like I have just... certainly, I have certainly done that in relationships that I totally didn't have, and that's why they didn't work. Um, but, um, but yeah, I, like for me, what I found as as you know, um, so many wrongs, and and so this wasn't deserving enough of an ending. I do like that idea of like having that thing from childhood and those memories that they hold. And maybe that's what I was charmed by in some way. But mm. um, to me, to me, it's still, they're still like winning. They're still, they're still like a, a gold star. I can give it. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to put it out there that like, yeah, they, they definitely, I, th- I think they deserve the happy ending again. If you go for like a, weirder goofier movie which is weird to say because this movie mm. is weird and goofy it's pretty weird yeah. um it's totally weird but you know but take if you take out just the almost the earnestness parts of it i think you actually get an ending where if this does happen it makes more sense and it feels mm. it feels more deserved because they didn't try as hard if that makes sense right like they're yeah. going for this thing where it's like a believable relationship and like fully 3d fleshed out characters which neither of the two are um <laughs> you know ted is ted is the most fleshed out out of everybody um flesh and he's full of stuffing oh uh, no flesh at all oh no flesh at all <laughs> what um but yeah again you, you're you're going they're swinging big and i appreciate that they tried big um mm-hmm. but yeah at, at the end i don't know like i don't think he deserved to stay dead <laughs> but uh it would have it would have been cool if you know yeah maybe he got brought back to life and then well, in the sequel, what? In the sequel, Ted does get married. Um, and yeah. So th- he's actually alive, right? I never saw actually- the sequel. I haven't seen the sequel either, but the to. premise of it actually almost excites me to watch it, except for I don't believe they will give it... W- like the same where I'm like, oh, you brought a teddy bear back to life and it stayed alive mm-hmm. forever. And there are implications of that. And I want to hear, see what the explorations of that concept are. And they didn't mm-hmm. happen here. The second mm-hmm. one is the same thing of like, he wants to get married and to do that, he has to go to court and prove that he's a living being because he can't get married unless he is legally a person. Which, if he wasn't legally a person this entire film, yeah, how did he do, like, get a job? How did yeah, he exactly. do it? All sorts of stuff. Yeah. And he kept getting promoted. Yeah. <laughs> so. Actually, that joke was kind of funny, too, that he yeah, just kept on was... trying to get fired and couldn't. <laughs> <laughs> just, like, the dead-eye stare that he gave whenever he'd be like, yeah, I did all this terrible stuff. Like being like, come on, fire me. And he'd just be like, I love your gumptions. Damn it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was some classic escalation right there. Yeah. No issue so, with that. I mean, that's the thing. There are so many things about this movie that actually that actually do work. And I think like, you know, I would have been very interested to, to talk to 10 years ago, me and figure out, you know, what what did what did that guy see in the movie that was like so hilarious? And yeah, you know, maybe, I don't know, maybe I'm just old and um, I'm just over, maybe, maybe I've just seen too much of this humor. Maybe I've seen it done better uh, by different writers um, and in different formats. Maybe, maybe it was just you know, an hour and 45 minutes is a lot to ask for yeah. most comedies. I think, to be honest, like 90 minutes, yeah. I think is the, the sweet 
comedy sweet spot. Mm-hmm. Um, you're doing I, I think it's that. it's proof he knows his fundamentals, but then yeah, he keeps on trying to be edgy, right? He keeps on trying mm-hmm. to to push envelopes that, but without doing the POV of that envelope, it's just throwing throwing a little bit of shock, and that's why it's kind of sullying the good parts. Can we noticed though that there was a Tom Brady joke in there ten yes. years ago, and that's still relevant. Yes. <laughs> I, that's true. <laughs> I miss that one because, again, I don't, I don't know footballs. Uh, I was just basic, uh, you know, just it was a basic like throwaway Tom Brady, like you know, greatest ever line, and then it's like, oh yeah, okay, that that still makes That's sense because so <laughs> <laughs> we're still here. Because that guy's been playing sports for too long, I guess. The, the humor is not timeless, but Tom, Tom, Tom Brady, Brady what was he doing on that Christmas night when mm. Ted was wished into existence? Where what was, was Tom, Tom Brady? Brady doing on the Christmas night when Jesus was born? Probably a touchdown pass into the manger. We don't know. We weren't there. Are you saying Tom Brady is actually 2,000 years old? Yes. I feel yeah. like that guy's been playing wow. football for too long. Uh, I keep on hearing about him. I don't even follow football, but I feel like I've been hearing about Tom Brady being good he at football. Is, I don't I don't like football at all, but that guy is magic. <laughs> magical. He can't do any wrong. You know, even like... Yeah, he didn't. Didn't he though? Didn't he cheat? Like, I'm oh, saying he, maybe he the ball's good. No, he can, but yeah. but he just seems like this ethereal football player. Like he just keeps going and going. It's crazy. The guy doesn't eat sugar, so maybe that. Yeah, but, uh. I would watch the hell out of a Seth Mar- McFarland directed uh, biopic of Tom Brady <laughs> set from <laughs> Jesus' Biblical birth times. to today. <laughs> Like make it a whole like forever man type thing, you know, just the, the various generations yeah. of Tom Brady. That's how, how they escape. Uh, that's how they escape Egypt uh, yes. to Brady. get from King Herod. Yeah. Is he just as a really long pass and yeah. then he catches the baby Jesus himself? He's <laughs> his oh, own man. receiver. Oh, oh, <laughs> I'm just picturing like a flying Moses landing in the rib. Jesus, Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Oh, maybe he's Moses times two. Maybe he goes all the way back. I don't know. You see, this is the kind of ridiculousness that just like I would have loved. Like, just let's just have let's have ninety. Name of the film. Name of the film. Biblical Brady. It's got alliteration. It's good to go. Biblical Brady. Oh my god! All right, we're we're gonna we're gonna have to uh, end this podcast so we can workshop this idea and get our treatment ready for the producers. Uh, But. (laughs) But thank you so much for joining me for this discussion of the film Ted for. The jokes that worked and the problems that didn't. Um, so uh, thank you, Kirk. Thank you, Kelly. Thank and you. thank you to all of our listeners. We'll have another movie review for you soon. Bye. Well, that's what we came up with, but we want to hear from you. Tell us your thoughts. You can find us on Twitter at BreakAWishPod. Email BreakAWishPod at gmail.com. Join the BreakAWish discussion group on Facebook. And you can support the show by writing a review, telling a friend, or buying a t-shirt on TeePublic. All this information at breakawish.ca. For more Kirk McCullough, check out Cadley Bruper on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and their monthly improv duo show, Duo Derby. Still running new shows virtually every month. For more Kelly Zimnikis, check out her baking show on YouTube. It'll be fine, a baking show. Type that into YouTube and it should come up. This is a Kicks and Giggles Entertainment production hosted by Maddox Campbell, themed by Matthew Reed, cover art by Justin Langford, and a proud member of the Sonar Podcast Network. More podcasts at thesonarnetwork.com. So, what would you wish for? 
This podcast has been brought to you by the Sonar Network. Sonar! We're going, We're going back, back to back. back. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Confederacy of Dunks Basketball, Basketball Podcast! I am your host, Freddie Rivas, and um, who who in in the hell are you, sir? Uh, your producer, Matt Duncan. Uh, we are uh, a... a you know, a fan podcast. We talk yeah. about Raptors, NBA, but we're pretty freaking insightful. TBH. Huge. Yeah. Um, so, you know, even if I don't have access to the bowels of the ACC, yeah. I still got a version of the scoop. Yeah. Okay. A, a seasoned seat holders That's right. uh, bird's eye. If you want to listen to this podcast, where, where, where are they going to find us? Oh, you can rate and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio. Listen, anywhere you get your podcasts, or you can listen at thesonarnetwork.com.